You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. Welcome again to the place where Trek Talk happens, whether you're ready for it or not. It's 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. It's Monday night. It's the internet. It can only be Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Holly Amos, and I'd never heard that intro before, which is what that face was about. <laughs> it's a new thing. It's a new thing we're trying out. Yay! It's yeah. great. Uh, yeah. If you guys were here last week for all the big Mission Log announcements... We'll update you on those. If you were, if you weren't here, great. You're just going to get a bunch more information. You get to learn new stuff tonight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, afterwards, we'll welcome our special guest, Star Trek author, consultant, and a man who knows to where to get good Romulan ale. Our old friend Dayton Ward is. That's with right. Us. Yes. So get those comments and questions ready. Give us a call. You know how. Click on the Zoom meeting link or use the one tap from your smartphone or call us at 699-900-6833 and enter the meeting code and password that you see on screen. We would love to have you here. I mean, already there's a ton of people in the chat. So uh, don't be shy. Just click on the thing, pick up the thing, dial the thing, and you can talk to us. It's just like Dayton's doing, just hanging out with some old friends tonight, talking Trek and other things. Uh, yeah, so Holly, that little uh, Earl has been hard at work. And we're going to get into exactly what he has been hard at work on. But he's been hard at work on uh, graphics and video and audio and all kinds of editing. And that little, uh, that ID that you saw at the beginning with Jessica's voice as the voice of the, the Roddenberry ID. That was me being A, surprised because I've never heard it. And I was like, did I miss this on all the other ones? But B, also like, wow, I'm impressed. Yeah. That's brand really- new. That's really good. Yeah, brand new for the live show, and we're dropping into some other stuff. Wherever video is needed with a tag on it that is ours, that's what happens. So I'm glad it had the intended effect. Uh, But let's say hi. Uh, We're going to say, oh, look, Norman Lau is in the chat joining us on Facebook tonight. (laughs) Some guy. Many, many Pauls. There's Paul Wright. There's Paul Harveth. I believe we have a third Paul lurking around, Paul Troutwine. So any of you Pauls, that's three of you, at least one of you, pick up the phone, give us a shout. There's John Cooley. Good to see you, sir. There's Carlos. There's uh, who? Oh, Scott Palm. Scott Palm, specifically with a shout out to you. Holly in all caps. Hi. so there's Scott ready for you there. Uh, Tim and Chris and uh, Dave and Alan and uh, so many people saying hi to us tonight. So welcome. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you all here. Are and I look forward to. Oh, oh, I don't know. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Usually, that. usually Bob is right on top. He's usually there right on time when Where's we start. <laughs> you, you, just, you have to give him a call right now and uh, you can do that while we're on air <laughs> no. come on uh, oh there he is hi dad did he pop up okay good <laughs> good okay bob amos checking in uh and chris condon and see chris says ask dayton to read you some entries from the book of band names interesting we'll have to get to that i i have had a shared note in my phone for 14 years of band names and it is a very long list and i wonder if just by accident some of those overlap they Wait, who knows note with who though with dayton not with dayton no 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 with, with other this is from when i lived in chicago oh okay. it started a list of band names of people in my theater company and it has just grown and and taken on new and uh inappropriate proportions so 
Yeah. You so we can talk about, notes. yeah, we can talk about all of that. So glad to see you all here. And uh, oh, Michelle joining in as well. So two harvests, three Pauls, two harvests. So uh, good to see you all. Norman says, engage with me and John, hint, hint. So that's why we're going to talk about the news and what has been happening in Mission Log Land before we bring in Dayton. Dan is here. What? Hey, Who? Stan. Stan. Oh, excellent. Good to see Stan. All these new <laughs> folks, too. All right. So next week on Mission Log Live in this very live show, special guest, Dr. Charles Adler. He is the author of Wizards, Aliens, and Starships, Physics and Math in Fantasy. So uh, I can talk about starships. Um, I can talk about aliens. Pretty much every other topic uh, I'm going to be terrible at. So, Holly, I'm going to rely on you to be the smart person to talk about math and physics. And Why am I? Uh, who, I don't I, have like a PhD or a master. Why are you relying I, on I'm, I'm very poor at all of those things. You, you will, I'm sure you can make us all sound smart. I'm just stronger so. by default. Yes, exactly. Okay, okay. Yeah. So uh, join us here for that next week where uh, Dr. Adler will be on to discuss his book and all kinds of cool sciencey stuff. This week on Mission Log, on the regular Mission Log that drops on Thursday, DS9 Chimera. Uh, so check that out. And tomorrow night, Norman and I will be recording. Here we go. Uh, here's my Latin I've been practicing all week. Inter arma inum silent legis. And uh, what's that? Where's Bada Bing? Well, we squeezed in an extra show already. So we'll be ready to forge ahead with the next one. You, of course, can get all those early recordings through our Patreon and join us for a live weekly chat in the Discord. But really... All right, let's get down to brass tacks here, because this week there is so much happening in Mission Log world. And if you haven't already, please go pick up Mission Log Engage on YouTube, where Norman and I answer our fans or detractors directly. We take your mail, we take your messages, we comment on them. Spur of the moment, off-the-cuff stuff. It's a lot of fun, and Norman has been making me uh, face my fears and critics. So thank you. Norman, I think, but it's a lot of fun. Each episode is less than 10 minutes and it's sitting over in the Roddenberry YouTube channel under Mission Log Engage. Uh, but the other thing that you want is that this week, the big news is there's a whole lot more new stuff to listen to. Mission Log Prodigy drops Tuesday at 12 a.m. Pacific. That is the new show with Norman Lau and Ashley V. Robinson discussing Prodigy episode by episode. And my absolute look, I love them both. My favorite part of that show is the kids who call in and leave voice memos with their impressions of Prodigy. It is adorable. It is great. There are some names you will probably recognize in the very first one that drops tomorrow. Uh, so please, if you're watching it with your kids, and they're so inclined, we have four questions for you to answer to send in their comments. And then that'll be for the next episode. Uh, and then Wednesday at 12 a.m. Pacific, Mission Log The Orville kicks off. And that is with Mike Richards and Jessica Lynn Verde doing an episode-by-episode -episode take on The Orville, all leading us up to the third season, which will drop March 10th. And uh, the fun part, both of those shows, they'll be on the Mission Log website, missionlogpodcast.com. They'll be on our Facebook page. Uh, we have dedicated Twitter handles for both, but if you follow at Mission Log Pod, we will reshare all of those as well at Roddenberry. Um, and, you know, just be aware, it might take a minute for those to show up on Apple or Google because it's a longer process there, but they will be out there. They will be ready for you, and I cannot wait 
for everybody to hear those. Um, I know that he's not on camera usually with us during the show, but big shout out to Earl Green, our technical mastermind behind this show and all the other shows that we do. He has just done an amazing job. And the most exciting part, both of those podcasts will be on video on YouTube in their own playlist, Prodigy and the Orville, with a uh, slick graphical interface that uh, Earl designed. It looks so cool. It's just a great way to catch a podcast now. So all this big stuff coming, and uh, check it out. Yeah, stay in touch with us. We will let you know where and when to find everything. Um, so it was a lot. Sorry about There's the monologue there. There's a lot of information, <laughs> but you know what to do. Keep following Mission Log at Mission Log Pod, Facebook and Twitter, or on the website, missionlogpodcast.com, or all the Roddenberry handles at Roddenberry and at Roddenberry Official. And uh, that is about it for that. So tonight, <laughs> I realized that the hot new thing is Prodigy that we all watched last Thursday or shortly after it came out last Thursday. And we have this dedicated show coming, but I do want to take some calls and talk to people a little bit about Prodigy and get some impressions. And while we're doing that, um, not that I'm asking you to do impressions, but you can if you want. Let's welcome in our special guest. You know him, you love him, you don't know what to make of him. It's Dayton Ward. Dayton, welcome back to the show. Well, hey, how's it going? Good. How are you, sir? I'm all right. Been on hold for like 12 minutes. I just wanted to order a pizza. I don't know what happened. Did did you already do that? Yeah. I mean, we we can hook you up. Uh, There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, well, that is sort of the the question of the hour. The people who have seen Prodigy and, of course, you, you are a consultant on many a trek these days. So you have seen Prodigy maybe grow in development. And finally, now it's out there to the world to see uh, give us your impressions of Prodigy. Like, what? How, how do you how do you feel about this brave new world of Star Trek going after specifically this younger audience, kind of in the tradition of the original animated series, stories that are thoughtful and deep, serious, respectful, but also can appeal to a younger audience. It's a pretty fun little show, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Uh, I I mean I'm not a I'm not a consultant on the show per se, um, but I've had, I was able to read the scripts for season one uh, and offer uh, continuity, canon notes, things like that. Like just Star Trek lore type things, because, Hey, you may have noticed over the last couple of years, there's, there's a lot of Star Trek <laughs> being produced. I definitely want to talk about that and, with and you. Yeah. They're all swimming in their own lane, but, you know, they they sometimes reach over that divider into other lanes or they might collide with each other at the wall or something. So uh, one of the things I get to do is read the scripts and offer notes and point out potential collisions and inconsistencies. And, oh, hey, you can't use that character because this show already beat you to it. Or if you're going to both use this character, you have to fight it out and figure out how you're going to do it together. Um, so it's an interesting place to be in. Uh, so I got to read the scripts early on and my early impression was this could very well end up being my favorite thing that the current regime has created. Really? Um, just, just by the approach and what they were trying to do with it and how they were going about the storytelling, how they were going about introducing, you know, Star Trek to an audience. And what I love about the show is you don't need to know anything about Star Trek at right. all. Um, you can come into it absolutely cold because the characters have come to it absolutely cold and you get to, 
basically follow them as they figure it all out. Um, that was the promise that the show has um, and aiming for that younger demographic. I mean, I like that it's aiming at a, it's being more accessible to younger viewers, but it's not talking down to them or it's not dumbing down the plot. I mean, it's, it's Star Trek at its core. I noticed yeah. that too when I was watching the pilot. Well, I mean, obviously that's the only thing that's been out so far, but <laughs> there was some stuff in it that I was like, I'm, I'm impressed that they didn't dumb it down basically. Like the, mm. there was, there was some stuff that I was like, I feel like if I feel like there were, there might've been at some point writers in the room that were like, is this too advanced for children? Um, I'm glad that they didn't though. As the story unfolds, you will see more of that. Uh, it is definitely not a simple story. There are a lot of twists and turns in it, um, particularly given some aspects that have not yet been revealed. And of course, I'm walking that line now where, you know, it's like I can't talk about what's coming in the next episodes and because ninjas are outside my house with CBS <laughs> logos on their on their masks. But uh, yeah, well, you'll so do... many so many spoilers there, Dayton. You just said twists and turns coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, there are both okay. turns and twists. Yes, yeah, absolutely. sorry to blow it for everybody. All right. <laughs> There's some surprises, too, and some and what I consider Ooh. to be pretty deep cut references. All right. Uh, to the, oh. Across the across the franchise. Um, it's just a, it's been a lot of fun. And I, as I as I tell people, it's the perfect on ramp. If you've never watched an episode of Star Trek before, you can come right to, into this one and it'll it will lay down the breadcrumbs for you to go investigate other things. But definitely won't treat you like a like a newbie. You, like you sort of. Oh, I, I, I'm sorry. You sort of indicated something that I am curious about. And we, we discussed this a bit uh, the last time you were with us on the live show. And that is uh, in your role as a consultant. And, and yeah, it's Star Trek uh, sort of as the bigger picture and not specifically on a show. But like I said, you, you read scripts and you're sort of connecting the dots. And um, I, I almost think of it as like, a, you know, a living embodiment of memory alpha. You know, you're the person who sort of is looking at all these connections, characters, plot lines that are all rattling around in your head. Um, you know, I'm curious what your process is like when a script comes across uh, your desk what do you do with it to break it down and figure out, well, what are the notes that I need to pass along? Well, like I said, I look at it, I'm coming at it more from the consumer product side. So my, I'm reading it for, con for canon and continuity and making sure that there are no conflicts either from you know past lore or something that's currently in development in one of the other shows. And I make a set of notes uh, along those lines and I give them to John Van Sitters, who's my boss. And then he decides which of those notes are going to be forwarded on to the respective writer's room. <laughs> and, um, and then it's up to the writers to decide if they want to take our notes. Cause he's doing the same thing. He's reading them and he's making notes and then we compare notes, but, um, he forwards on a package and then, you know, the, the writers and the producers on the shows, of course, have the option to, to take or not take any of them depending mm -hmm. on the situation. Um, so all we can do is advise and then, but what I'm doing more is I'm identifying opportunities, uh, where let's say a dangling plot thread or some backstory or a character who's introduced, but we don't get to see him again or her again or them again, uh, might make interesting fodder for a novel or a comic or a, a game scenario or some other form of narrative experience that goes beyond what you see on TV or the film. Um, that's what I was hired primarily to do, uh, was to help out on that side. And then, but 
as John would probably tell you, uh, my job changes daily. <laughs> it's basically just, sure. I have something for you to do. Will you do this now? And that's kind of what I was doing earlier this evening. And so it's just sort of like a catch. I think, I think the formal term in my contract is other duties as may be assigned. Yeah. Nice. I did. I did that stuff when I worked for CBS too. And I I've consulted on some of uh, current Trek as well, doing the same thing you're doing. So, I mean, I can't, I don't say, I don't, I don't tell people, Hey, I work on the shows or I consult for the shows. That's really not a, an accurate descriptor. It's like, they give me the stuff to read and I provide notes because they ask me to, but that's as far as it goes. Excellent. Well, Hey, let us welcome our first caller tonight. We have one of our many Pauls joining us, uh, <laughs> Paul. Well, uh, we're big in the Paul demographic, Dayton. I don't know if you knew that. All the uh, Pauls. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They, they love to call mission log. Paul, welcome to the show. Don, Holly, Dayton hey. Ward. I've been hey. I've been waiting two years to see Dayton Ward again. <gasps> wow. Last time, last got, time to, got to up your expectations. <laughs> last time we, like. my wife and I had a chance to talk with you was at um, Colorado and uh, the Starfest. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you do that great. You wander around to the tables and you talk about your your exploits and. Oh, we, the, uh, the meet and greet. Yeah, yeah, the meet and greet. And then you uh, Facebook friended us and you are by far and away the most entertaining Facebook person I have seen through this entire past two years. And I'm just so happy to see you in person wow. again. Thank you. <laughs> and and I have this. And oh, probably, hey, I know that book. Yes, hey, right on. I'm very, book. very excited to get into the meat of it. We've through about the first eighth of it. And um <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Pretty excited for for that. So thank you for everything you've done. And I don't know how you're keeping all those those irons in the fire, but good luck and uh, continued continue success along the way. Thanks very much. My secret to success is I just don't sleep. <laughs> I know that feeling. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. retired, so I get lots of sleep for you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I may borrow some at some point. Let's see. So th- this show, I I. We got my wife and I both watched this, and then 24 Hours watched the Doctor Who um, premiere. And mm. I got to tell you, we we had a discussion about this yesterday, and Michelle was she was just so enamored with this show. Instead of it was much less confusing and disjointed, and you know you actually got invested in these characters in a hurry. And I, I think it's well executed. It's absolutely gorgeous, and. I'm still trying to figure out how a spaceship got in the middle of a planet in the um, in that quadrant of the galaxy. So there's a lot of explaining to go on, and I and good luck with the cannon there. <laughs> Keep watching, and all will be made known. Oh, see, there you go. So is it perfectly clear, or is it sort of something we have to put together as a group of you know follow the dots, or do we have Find to watch it. all all of the Star Treks in order to figure it out? No. Um, Despite being, despite featuring numerous Easter eggs that will reveal themselves over the course of the season, this is a very self-contained show so far as its current storyline. Um, and all will be made clear and all will be revealed uh, as you continue watching. It's, it's very, it's actually quite remarkable what they've done with this first season of the show and, and how tight it works how tightly woven it works and how they've managed to close the loops. I mean, we would go through and there's an element to the show that required me to get on a whiteboard and map things out. I'm going, well, no, that, that works. They totally, I thought I had them, but they, they, they've, they've figured, they figured it out. So 
it's very interesting. Uh, but I don't want to get into any spoilers. I can't, obviously, uh, ninjas, but uh, I also don't want to ruin anybody's fun. No, just keep watching. It will it will surprise you. So a question I have, too. Do you do you monitor all the shows? So do you have a sa- similar kind of uh, level of responsibility for Lower Decks? I do. I read everything from everybody right now. So y- you talk about tight. I have never seen so many ideas come at the audience so fast in such a tightly woven manner and congratulations on whatever part oh, you played there. It is I play no part. So tremendous uh, so. show. I, I just can't wait for the next season to come out. I just think it's fantastic. If, if I have any role at all, it's because they opted to incorporate a note that I made about Canon or continuity. That's, that's the extent of my involvement in any of the shows. I'm not taking anything away from any of the writers or the producers or the animators or nothing. I'm just simply a guy who reads the scripts and offers up some comments and they may or may not take them. So whatever part they took from you, congratulations, be it big or, <laughs> or be it small. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's no check in the mail if that's what you're asking. Uh, they, they, you know, so that kind of thing. It's just, yeah, it's, it's day rate. So, well, thank you for your time, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Um, as always, John and Holly, great to see you. Dayton, we'll hope to get out there to um, short leave in Baltimore. All right. Hopefully, hopefully get my book autographed. I'll even give you money if you'd like. No, that's okay. Well, I mean, I'll take your money. One of my books. I'm sorry. Did I have you autograph one of my books? Don't know. I don't think I did. Maybe I should do that. I mean, pandemic kind of gets in the way of that sort of thing. I've had. I you put me in a book years ago. I have all of them in front of. I don't think I had you sign one. Wow, that's. Well, we'll have to catch up at some point. (laughs) Fix that, Paul. Thank you so much for calling in tonight. Take care. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks, Paul. Hey, uh, because there are people who listen to the show who may not see the video portion of it, something that happened a moment ago was that Paul held up Star Trek Coda, the first uh, volume of Star Trek Coda. So before we go to our next caller, uh, let's just go ahead and describe, discuss a bit of that. And Dayton, please tell us about the new project, the latest project that you are on. Well, um, for those of you who are watching the show who also read the novels, do you probably know that for the course of many years, we have been spinning an interconnected, interlocked continuity across multiple series of novels based on Next Gen, DS9, Voyager, and a few of the ones that were created specifically for the shows, because we were granted an unprecedented level of freedom because there were no more television shows or films in production at that time. Uh, because what were the odds that Patrick Stewart might come back and play Captain Picard or Catherine Janeway would return in a Star Trek show? That would never happen ever, ever, right? Ever again until it (laughs) did. Uh, So once Picard became a reality and we knew they were going to uh, reset canon to so such, you know, to a degree, uh, we knew we had our work cut out for us as far as the books, because chances were pretty high. They were not going to incorporate anything we did in any of the novels. Uh, so what CODA represents is a, is a method of transitioning the novel lines from what we've been doing all these years to the new paradigm with the new shows. Yay. Well, <laughs> well, well, so yeah, help, help me and others wrap our heads around that because, you know, for so long the word was, and I, I, I hate to use You're gonna this. You're going to use it. You're going to use that I, word, I aren't you? I, oh, You're going to say it. You're going to say I, it. Oh, God. There's okay. not a better word. Uh, no. Say it. Say it. <laughs> All right. All right. So Star Trek 
cannon uh, was anything. My favorite word. Uh, all right, it was everything seen on film or TV, and uh, the books, uh, all the ancillary products, comic books, etc., were not. not. So there is this freedom for those writers to come in and and tell the stories that they wanted to tell, and obviously they need to stay within the the realm of Star Trek, within the, the certain kind of expectations of Star Trek. But it didn't really matter if they were telling stories that, you know, aren't perfectly reflected or uh, uh, fit in exactly with what you see on screen. How and when did this decision come along to start to shift away from that? And then what happens? You just consider, okay, everything before a certain date is still in this nebulous, non-canonized space, and everything going forward will make some attempt to tie in much tighter. Like, uh, Walk us through that, if you would. Okay, I mean, so it's sort of a two sides of the coin. You know, our, the books and the comics are not canon but they are required to be consistent with the canon as mm. we know it to be when we write them. Um, so after Nemesis and after Voyager and after Enterprise, when, when the Berman era of Star Trek kind of went dormant for a while, uh, there, were no, there was nothing new on TV. So we were allowed to play with the characters uh, as they were left you know, at the end of those productions. And while still maintaining consistency with the Star Trek brand. I mean, they didn't just let us go off hog wild on, you know, without any kind of adult supervision. They still had the folks at CBS licensing. So John, John Van Sitters was still in charge. <laughs> so John, was, John is still in charge, but in, you know, in, in, a different, in, in a different way. But um, so we were still required to remain consistent with the canon and portray the characters in a manner befitting, uh, you know, what you have come to expect from Star Trek. That said, that we were allowed to experiment and play. We created new crews. We created new ships. We created new situations. We were able to take the characters in directions that we would never have been able to do while Next Gen was in production or a movie was in production. Um, what's, I got to be part of those crews, too. And you got to be part of those crews at least a couple of times <laughs> okay. in a couple of different realities. Um, so what, what, what kind of gave us a bit of a complacency, I guess, was the fact that there was an expectation that that era of Star Trek was done. Mm -hmm. And if there was going to be new Star Trek, then it would be something like the, you know, the bad robot films or something mm -hmm. entirely new or a reboot of, you know, the entire premise. Um, the idea that they could actually bring Patrick Stewart back to play, to pick up where he left off 20 years later uh, was pretty amazing to hear about uh I, I mean it's not unprecedented i guess in today's world of remakes and reboots and revisitings and all that kind of thing but um you know it was a it's a pretty big deal for star trek uh and with them picking up his life 20 years after we last saw him on screen that's the area of time that we were working in with the novels so we knew they were going to start backfilling his story uh you know filling in the gap to that 20 years differently based on what they wanted to do with the new show so that put us at odds as far as uh, what was real, what was canon, what, what had really happened with these characters. Um, so rather than reset everything and just pretend everything got turned off, we, we decided we wanted to try moving everything toward the new reality without just turning off the lights like they did with the Star Wars novels and comics back mm -hmm. in the day when you know, Disney purchased Lucasfilm. We wanted to do something to kind of close out what we've been doing and shift lanes. Nice, nice. And it, this is part of a bigger discussion, but I, I, I guess 
you know, the, the reason that I, uh, I, I get nervous when the C word comes up <laughs> is that I feel it is one of those greatly abused words, uh, particularly by fandom. And, uh, it, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, because I'm sitting with two people who are uh, Star Trek consultants and have worked professionally in the franchise for some time. Um, but, I, you know, when I think about that word, when I think about... Um, uh, how it gets bandied about professionally, it simply means that that set of guidelines or stories or characters that are uh, acceptable and workable for, say, somebody who is hired to write a script mm -hmm. or somebody who is hired to write a book. Where it gets ugly is that then the fandom decides if I don't like something, I get to then deem this as non-canon or I get to decide sort of what is uh, canonically okay or not. I, it, and it has nothing to do with that at all. No, I that's mean, gatekeeping. It is. <laughs> and that's why different. it's so ugly. That's why it's so ridiculous. I mean, I, look, if you, for anybody, uh, it, you know, who uh, uh, thinks otherwise, I would say, you know, please go, you know, Go get an agent, go get hired to write on a show. Then canon becomes a very important word for you because it actually yeah. will help guide you into what stories, what characters you're working with, what is uh, in and out of bounds for you. And that can be a very helpful tool. Uh, but for me sitting at home on my couch watching it because I want to talk about it the next day, uh, that really doesn't help me very much. You know, right. am, am I just being cranky? I'm sorry. No, I get cranky <laughs> about it, too. Um, <laughs> okay. I think the word gets thrown around and even to a degree weaponized uh, in terms of its use in fandom. My take on canon is, you know, it's the way canon is, it's just a body of work that the producers of Star Trek television and films are obligating themselves to follow. Um, if they want to take something from a comic or a book or a game scenario and incorporate it into one of their shows, that's their prerogative, but that doesn't make, you know, if they take a reference to a ship that was seen in Star Trek online and use it in a show that doesn't make Star Trek online canon. That just means right. they, they just did a little, aspect. they just made a nice little nod of recognition to, to that project. And those folks who make that, um, I take it seriously in the guise of my consulting duties. And when I'm writing books and other references for Star Trek, but I'm perfectly happy to take the wind out of that conversation whenever it comes up. <laughs> um, I like to pull, I like to push buttons a little bit when it comes. I mean, as you may have noticed during my time on social media, I can be a bit of a jokester and a prankster and Stop. a person. Stop. Stop. <laughs> um, so I will absolutely pull the pin on a grenade and throw it into the middle of a cannon discussion. Um, yeah. I, in my reality, the gold key comics happened and half the third season TOS episodes. Never oh my happened. God. I love <laughs> yeah. them. Yes. I They're amazing. Them. They're amazing. That, though, yeah. And you know, for the longest time, and I'm sure that it continues in some conversations is that the animated series is not Canon. And I'm like, yeah. oh, the animated series. But I mean, I, I but, want that to be Canon. <laughs> when lower decks showed us that helmet, the, um, the, Remco, yes. the, the, the helmet from yeah. the 60s, the kid's helmet. And, yeah. and that bad boy is now canon. And, 
you know, I've even so gone gone so far as to write tech specs for that thing. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, uh, you, you got just, that. You got the bones of a fifty foot Vulcan. <laughs> you, I, I mean. They're doing it right, you know. I, I'm, yeah. I, so, by the way, uh, my favorite comment so far: Chris Riker says Star Wars canon is really simple. It's the same movie every time. <laughs> so I made that exact same observation today. Ah, that's great. Um, that's awesome. In a conversation with a friend of mine, and we were talking about how some people are saying that Prodigy seems to borrow a little bit from Star Wars. And depending yeah. on how much you want to argue about it is how much they took from Star Wars. I'm like, yeah, but Star Wars is the same story every time. Yeah. yeah. It's the same good guys, <laughs> the same bad guys, the same obstacles, the same goals. It's It's been the same movie since 1977. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean I don't like Star Wars. I do. I like all the variations on it, or most of them anyway. Uh, <laughs> but as far as the canon thing, I just... I get the passion for one thing. I mean, I, I guess I try to embrace the positive side of this. These are passionate folks and they take this very seriously and it means a lot to them. Um, I just wish that that was not the end all be all of a conversation when we're talking about Star Trek. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like I take it seriously, but I'm also a, laid back to the point where I'm like, it's still just an entertainment franchise. I've, I mean, like I said, work-wise, I take it very seriously. I've had I've had some of the most surreal conversations dealing with, like, when I read through a script and I make a note and I make a, a page-long entry of comments about yeah. a particular line of dialogue in one episode trying to show my position on why this could be problematic. And I usually voice it with, I'm only raising this because you know 15 people will on Twitter the night this right. episode drops. That's right. mostly what I do, too. I'm and like, listen, some fanboys are going to get uh, Somebody's <laughs> going to notice. And, and they'll say, like, nobody's going to notice that. Yeah, they will. Yeah, they will. Yes, they will. Yeah, they will. <laughs> and so you have been warned. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's, but I mean, you know, the, it's not the end all be all of the conversation. There's a lot of things that go into decisions about what to do about Canon or how to work with Canon or work within Canon or, or perhaps change our perceptions of what we thought was Canon. You know, that's, that's one of the things that I'm fascinated by is how they find ways to work within that framework. And yeah. it's like, Oh, they filled that gap in a way that kind of goes against accepted convention, but it, really didn't violate anything it just filled in the gap a different way it's, uh, and it, it's a retcon i love yeah, it it's a retcon. retcon and i'm like that's at this point with star trek's longevity you have to kind of expect some of that um there's a difference between retconning and violation in my opinion yes. and yeah. and they definitely try to do the former not the latter my favorite retcon that we ever did when i was working at cbs had to do with the Kelvin universe con in the comic books mm -hmm. explaining why he was white and British. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. Nice. Amazing. I, will, I will have to read that. That um, was such a reach to get to that punchline though. I was like, wow, that's a lot of work to get to that joke. Okay. That was funny. <laughs> wow. Uh, by the way, and uh, another comment here, Paul Wright says, I don't understand what's wrong with canon makes the Star Trek universe make sense. You're absolutely right. There, there's absolutely nothing wrong right. with it. And that, that is that that internal consistency in the world building that is Star Trek, the universe building All that right, is but, Star Trek. Oh, go ahead. No, but now we're starting to talk about where my problem is, is we're, we're, we're starting to conflate canon and continuity. Those are two yeah. separate concepts. There you go. There you go. Continuity is very important. And that's what he's talking about. And yes, that is, yeah. and they, and I don't care what anybody says, they do take it seriously. Yeah. Um, they might decide to go in a direction because a story allows for them to do that, or there's just room to explore. 
you know, uh, there, you know, it's, it's not been defined within an nth degree. So there's, there's wiggle room. And if there's wiggle room, they're going to play with it because that's what you do in these situations. That's how you tell stories and that's how you, how you expand tell the universe. Yeah. Um, and uh, let, let us not forget that if there is anything consistent about Star Trek, it is since day one, it's inconsistency. <laughs> there you know. Captain it, James R. Kirk agrees with you. Yes, yeah! yes, he does. <laughs> Excellent. Hey, uh, Alan is standing by patiently. We will get to him very quickly here, but I just want to take a second because, you know, the word retcon came up, and I will spoil it for everybody here, that there is a retcon discussion coming up on Mission Log Engage this week. So join us over there at youtube.com slash Roddenberry Entertainment. Look for the Mission Log Engage playlist. Oh, yeah, we talk about Bashir. You know where this is headed. Oh, but God, it... I love Bashir. <laughs> right? <laughs> but in the meantime, uh, there is so much Mission Log discussion going on, especially over at Patreon. Join us at patreon.com slash Mission Log. Yes, there's swag. Yes, there are exclusives. More importantly, there is the Mission Log Discord, and there is a thriving community happening over at Discord. It's where we get to chat with each other via text. It's also where we get to have weekly live conversations with each other, kind of like we're doing now, but it's not broadcast. It's private. It's just us hanging out, talking. We do uh, episode discussion. We just uh, hang out and do, well, nothing productive as well. So join <laughs> us there. You will love it. Patreon.com slash Mission Log. You can join for as low as a dollar a month and you can get a discount if you sign up for a year. So patreon.com slash mission log. It is a blast. It is awesome. And uh, I guarantee you will love it if you join and hit us up in the discord. So uh, standing by patiently, as I had mentioned, uh, oddly enough from Patreon and the mission log discord, it's our friend Alan calling in from the Cerritos as usual. Alan, how's it going tonight? I'm doing great, guys, and um, I just want to touch briefly on on the conversation you were just having. Um, first of all, Star Wars has great canon. There always is one, and it usually blows up a planet. So, <laughs> see, there, there you, go. you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, my yeah. my favorite was the uh, the Hoth cannon. I loved mm -hmm. those on the little turrets. Oh, yeah. my favorite Star Wars cannon. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, if you get the toys, you press the button and it blows up. And it it's blows great. up, yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, but yeah, I mean, come on. It's always <laughs> great when it's like, oh, I like the three Indiana Jones films. Come uh. on, man. Look, <laughs> we're allowed to not like things. I'm looking over across the room from me at my DVD shelf, and I have the director's cut DVDs of Star Trek's two, three, four, and six. It is, and, and that doesn't mean that Star Trek V doesn't exist. It's just that I didn't want to get that movie. <laughs> yeah, you're just probably not going to watch it. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, but but did you listen to the Mission Log episode about Star Trek V? Because I, I think did. that actually was a good discussion. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, that's, right. And that's part of it, too. You know, that's part of what I love about this show is that you guys talk about the things that we don't like and that it's okay to not like things or to a be thousand disappointed percent. in them. Yeah. A thousand percent sub Rosa yeah. doesn't exist for me. <laughs> if, I, yeah, if I could find a way to carve out and the children shall lead from the Blu-ray and mm. still have that disc work, oh. I would do that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, by the way, we uh, uh, Barry and Beth, who are longtime Mission Log listeners and just knock it out of the park at Vegas every year with yeah. their cosplay. Amazing. And this year, yes, showed up as one of the kids 
and as uh, you know, the, the <laughs> oh, lawyer, God. the lawyer in the shower curtain. Okay. But it oh, was God. it was magnificent. It, it was it, it was lit up. He was sort of gliding around. They were doing dialogue. It, it was simultaneously amazing and disturbing, and made you want to run away. So, Did they cosplay you? Yes, uh, a couple of years ago, they cosplayed me and Ken. Okay, so that's they funny. cosplayed you too, and then they threatened to cosplay me and my Holly deck. Not surprised. Not surprised at all. Yeah. My favorite cosplay, I didn't I wasn't at Vegas, but I got to see pictures, of course, thanks to social media. My favorite is whoever it was that dressed up as Baylock and then yeah. walked around with a transparency that had Herb Solo. Herb Solo. And yes. cre- oh. title credit card. The credit? That okay. is the best. I just was like, okay, you win. I don't know yeah. who you are, young Trek fan or old Trek <laughs> fan, but you win. It was damn good. Alan, what else is on your mind tonight? Oh, well, um, just uh, Dayton, it's great to great to meet you. Um, uh, I must confess that I, I, you know, it's been quite a long time since I've read a Star Trek book, uh, but... Read I, this I one! <laughs> wait, wait, yeah, what I was, was that say... you just held up, Alan? Well, well, oh, I, 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 as far for our listeners who aren't seeing but uh, but can hear because this is audio as well. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, tell us the title, please. Uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation, number thirty-one, Foreign Foes. All right. Oh my God, yes. that was like late eighties. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. That's, one Dave, that's one of Dave Gallanter's, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, Dave and Greg Bradeur. Very much I hope I Dave that Gallanter. Right. So. Yeah. Well, I held up. A Dayton Ward book. Yeah, hey. I was gonna say, is how how is uh, this this new book uh, for someone like me, who's uh, a lapsed reader in terms of stuff? Is it a good jumping on point? Is it uh, something that's gonna be pretty quick to pick up? Or are you asking me? Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, of course yes. I don't. Of course I don't want <laughs> no! you to buy it. I would want you to buy it. It's a horrible book. Don't, I mean, it's, okay. a, it's the worst place to start reading Star Trek ever. Don't buy my book. Whatever you do, <laughs> that would be horrible. No. Um, obviously, this trilogy. Uh, I. It's fair to say that the primary audience for the trilogy are the readers who have been following and supporting what we've been doing all these years. Um, that said, we did try to write them to be as accessible as possible because we knew it was going to get a lot of notice and people were going to want to know what the fuss was about. Uh, so we did try to make it accessible. There is, uh, we even went so far as to put a multi-page section at the front of each novel that explains all the high points from the, the novels over the past 20 years. Oh, bless uh, that, you, sir. <laughs> that leads you into our storyline. And then each each book modifies that section accordingly to deal with things that are important to that particular book. Oh, it's like a Tolkien bless thing. Yeah. Tolkien did that oh, with Lord is. of the Rings. Bless you. So it's like previously <laughs> on, you can almost hear Majel Barrett saying previously on Star Trek and oh, going through all the things. Uh, that's what we tried to do. We tried to make it accessible, but we understand that, you know, it's, you'll get more out of it if you've been following along or if you jumped on at some point and caught up, but, uh, we but I hope feel like that's, that's the case with most of even like the TV shows that are going right now. Cause I feel like anybody can watch lower decks, I but so. that mm. you'll, that there's a, a level of appreciation. Yeah. That but that said, a new reader should be able to come in and, and follow along. 
Great. Oh, cool. And again, there's nothing wrong with jumping in in the middle of something too. Sometimes you see people saying, you know, trying to get into something for the first time mm -hmm. and they're like, well, do I, how much do I have to, to read as far as backstory? And it's like, well, you can just start reading, um, you know, how many of us as kids jumped into like comic books at issue 183 or something, you know, you mm -hmm. just, you just pick it up. So yeah, Batman, people shot his parents. <laughs> he went nuts. He put on a costume. He, <laughs> exactly. he bad guys. Um, yeah, I mean, I write every, I try to write every Star Trek novel that I've done as though it was somebody's first. Uh, even oh, cool. if it's got a big two on it, you know, like the one Holly has. Um, well, I have two and four. Yeah, see, but I <laughs> the way, write I'm holding, those. I'm holding these up, guys, because I'm a character in these books. Are you saying that only the even-numbered books are uh, the ones? Oh, no, no, not with that series. The odd <laughs> books are awesome in that series. Yeah, okay. one and three are great, too. Uh, but this one and then Agents of Influence came out a couple of years ago, and I have a scene with Kirk. There you go. Nice. Yeah, Which Dave didn't even nice. tell me about. A fan messaged me and was like, is this you? Pandemic. And I was like, oh, my God. I blame the pandemic on that one So because I completely <laughs> lost track of time and space. Well, thank you. I'm glad to uh, have a scene with Kirk. There you That's go. Fantastic. Alan, any other thoughts tonight before we well, say goodnight? I, I did want to touch briefly on, yeah. on Prodigy. Yeah. Uh, I am blown out of the park. I thought it was thought it was great. Um, so pretty, just, isn't it? It is really mm. pretty. Um the characters uh, thus far are really sort of, I, you know, they're, they're not anything that we've ever had in Star Trek before. And that's good. You know, these are unique takes on these characters. Uh, the standouts. I love rock rock toe, I think is rock talk. Rock talk. Rock talk. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She's, she is terrific. Um, the Telluride is, is interesting. I'm interested to see how that's going to, play out um you know and uh just uh you know they i know you've said no spoilers but they go back for the kitty right they say the kitty what? i'm not no no spoilers <laughs> oh. what i like about rock is we talked about how they might occasionally throw nods toward the comics or the books and rock is definitely a nod to the novels because the species, you know, her species is what's called a Bricar, and that's something that Peter David created. Oh, nice. Uh, or he, he did it for his uh, couple of Starfleet Academy young adult books way back in the 90s, and then there's a Bricar character on the in, on the New Frontier novels that he wrote. So it was cool to see that little bit of lore pulled in. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I, cool. And, yeah, like, a, yeah. Yeah, I hope they I hope they go back for for the little the little Cation child. Uh, it was watching. almost like it was almost like uh, not only did we get Star Trek, but we got a crossover with the busy world of Richard Scarry for a moment there. And it was just <laughs> like so cute. I must save them. That is exactly there was something about it that I yeah, that you're right. <laughs> or we can we can spin we can spin false it. tales. It's yeah. a little child. It's a little child cat in a coat. It's Richard yeah. Scary. It's 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 perfect. Or I was expecting a fake stories about, about it. Yeah, I was expecting a lesson about traffic safety. Uh, it was great. <laughs> that might come. There's many more yeah. episodes to oh, go. Sure. They, they could fit that in. Base traffic. <laughs> the long. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's, it's 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 a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. Yeah. And overall. I loved that the theme of this of the shows was um, how communication 
solves everything. You know, when you can't talk to people, when you can't literally can't communicate with them, you know, it keeps you apart, keeps hope down. But the it also causes that, people to make largely incorrect assumptions. Yes. Yeah. You just need but to go second, find it. Yeah. That there happens. <laughs> it opens up everything. So great start for the season and can't wait to see where it goes from here. So awesome. I will surrender the floor to <laughs> take care, Alan. Have a good one. Have a good one guys. Bye. Alan, cheers. Hey, uh, th- there is a question here specific to the books. This is from Dan and this is in the chat. Um, hmm. wonder how you'll, uh, how you answer this, uh, with, because uh, I, I don't think it's spoiling anything. He's speaking in generalities here with so many deaths in the Coda trilogy. Was there any concern that the reader might get complacent about characters dying off? Hmm. That's a great question. Yeah. I'm going to leave it at that. That's a great <laughs> question. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Dan. Question of the night. Thank you very much. So uh, there you go. Hey, uh, before we go to our next caller, I, I do want to ask you, uh, Dayton, just kind of the your take uh, as a fan. I mean, obviously you have a uh, a very strong foot in the professional world here too, but as a fan, there's a lot of different Trek out there, and this is a situation that we have never been in as Star Trek fans, where there are so many different shows intended for sometimes the same audience, sometimes a different audience. Um, do you feel at any point like it's overload? Do you think they're all going to find their niche and just kind of settle in there? Um, what, what is your sort of take on the state of Trek at the moment? I don't think it's overload in the, in the way that we, we used to talk about overload back in the day when we had next gen ds9 voyager enterprise and movies every couple of years there that that felt like overload because i think by and large it was the same group of creative people who were trying to do all of that you know they would go from one show to the next or they'd work on you know certain people behind the camera would work on both shows or uh, there was an overlap between i'm making a film and i'm making a television show and that seemed to feel like it could be overload what the difference here is we're talking largely about separate writers rooms, separate creatives that are working on each show and they're not on simultaneously for the most part, they, they have their own slice of the calendar to operate in. So I think the master plan for uh, Paramount plus is that they, you know, they want, they want you to be able to tune in every Thursday night and find a new episode of star Trek, but from one of the different shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think for the very first time, we're going to have a little bit of overlap when Discovery premieres later this month while Prodigy is still going. Um, I think that may, I don't know this for sure, but I think that may have been a consequence of the fact that the you know, Prodigy originally was slated to air on Nickelodeon first. Right. And then they, they turned it around and put it on, on the, on the streamer. I also so, think it's largely part of it's largely the pandemic's fault too, because that's, that could have a lot to do with it. And I'm not hundred percent sure, but also, you know, prodigy is obviously aimed at one particular demographic specifically, mm-hmm. obviously it's accessible across the board, but it's aimed primarily at that younger audience. And so discovery is not. So they're, I think they're, they're offering both sides of that. Um, I don't know that I've felt, I only feel overloaded when I get scripts from three different shows in the same day. (laughs) Um, But that doesn't happen as often as I make it sound. It's, it's a pretty rare thing right now. We're in a period of calm. (laughs) So I don't know how long that will last, but we'll see what happens. Um, I don't feel overloaded and I don't, I don't sense uh, overload or burnout or too much too soon. I think the way they're trying to do this, 
and the way they give each show time to shine and attention uh, will help mitigate any feelings of that as we go along. Chris uh, Riker in the chat just said something about the great Star Trek Bake Off. <laughs> Coming soon. I would watch Plus. that. I would, would so Neelix watch that. Would Neelix host that or would he be a judge? That's oh. awesome. Oh, that's a good yeah. question. Either way, I would watch it. Program. I'd, I'd probably watch it, yeah. I'd watch yeah. it. Um, uh, similarly, uh, Carlos in the chat, uh, very important breaking news here. He says, uh, is Alex Kurtzman, who was fired today, fired again <laughs> today, uh, is he keeping all the shows consistent? Um, yes, uh, and also no, Carlos. So, uh, yeah. Well, he was fired, so that went out was, the window. It was <laughs> consistent when he was employed. Then they fired him, and it became consistent again, but then they hired him back. And he uh, imposed consistency on the shows. So, so uh, yeah. to, just to kind of help with that a little bit, and I'm sure this will stir people. <laughs> the oh, reason I that wait. I am the reason that I'm reading the scripts, the reason that I was asked to read the scripts myself and Mr. Van Sitters uh, came from the ivory tower, as I call it, um, Alex Kurtzman's office. Uh, hideout. He, he yeah. asked for that function to be delegated to someone. <laughs> And, you know, his number twos at Secret Hideout sought out John and myself. Uh, Well, he sought out John and then John said, well, I don't have time for this as much as I'd like to. So you're going to read a lot of this, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's I mean, so the 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 function that I serve, if I if I serve anything at all toward the shows is at the direction of the people in charge at Secret Hideout. Nice. Excellent. Well, and, you know, this might be getting a little bit uh, touchy and a little bit uh, maybe too much to bite off before we wind down the show here. But, you know, we're, we're making light of something that I think is very obvious to a lot of us. And, and Dayton, you certainly seem to be somebody who has your finger on the pulse of fandom, for better or for worse, uh, out on the Internet. And I, I'm just curious, like, do you... Do you have the impression that Star Trek fandom generally is, you know, positive, less positive? Uh, Is the Internet amplifying the negative voices? I'm always trying to figure that out. Is it just because we live in an age where uh, the most pugnacious of voices tend to get the most attention? Um, whereas, you know, you walk into a Star Trek convention and generally it's just people there to have a good time, no matter what it is that they're into that they like. Uh, having, you know, attended numerous conventions over the years and particularly with the advent of the newer regime and the secret hideout productions. And yes, I spend far too much time on social media than should be considered healthy. Um, I think largely fandom is positive. It's a positive place. Um, there's always going to be that that percentage of people who don't like what's going on um, or they take issue with something or they don't like one flavor of it, or it doesn't work for them the way that other show does. And that's a perfectly valid opinion to have. Um, I just, I don't have a lot of patience for gatekeeping and uh, people who declare themselves arbiters of what isn't, isn't Star Trek and isn't, it isn't Canon and isn't, isn't a real fan and that kind of thing. I just, I have no patience for it. If I had patience at all, it's long since it's been exhausted. Um, <laughs> I would rather embrace the fun of it all. And that's largely what fandom is, is they're having a good time with it. And I love the fact that any one of these shows can be someone's entry point to the larger franchise. And they're just as valid a fan as anybody who's been here since the 60s, in my opinion. And I speak as one of the older people who've been doing this for quite a long time now. Yeah. 
I, and honestly, that's the thing that I am most curious about is, um, you know, I remember right after the first J.J. Abrams movie came out, being at Star Trek Vegas, and the number of people who raised their hands who were saying that that was the first Star Trek movie or first mm-hmm. Star Trek of anything that they had seen. And, you know, a year or two later, here they are going to conventions. I'm curious five years from now, 10 years from now, the number of people who are watching Prodigy, and this is their first trek, that then they start to go to a convention. They start to watch the yeah. other shows. They, you know, that that's really, uh, I, I just, I can't wait to see how that shakes out. There's a kid watching Prodigy right now who next year is going to dress as a Prodigy character for Halloween, or they're going to yep. dress at a convention, or they're going to draw... Well, they're going to play with a they're going to play with a prodigy action figure when those things hit the market, uh, you know, if and when all that stuff. Or they're going to do that, and that again, that's going to be their entry point to Star Trek. And then they might sit down one day and watch Next Gen and decide they like that too. I mean, it's just there's no one way to do this, yeah. And that's right. the part that that I just I don't understand that contingent of fandom who doesn't seem to grasp that question for you i mean of course the the uh, part of shameless commercialism comes in in every show uh i want to know where people should find you uh what what is the best place to find your work and uh what's coming i mean coda is a three-part series is that correct where to find me datonward.com that is my portal to internet banality you'll find my blog and links to my social media platform and amazon and star trek.com and all that all that stuff so All right. And then the other very important question for you, because uh, you mentioned something earlier about the Spock helmet. Uh, (laughs) I I have to know, do you own one? No, I don't. It is is a holy grail item that I am still seeking. Do you own one? Of course you own one. You've got one? Guys, one of the guys, Nick from Cryptic. Yes. Star Trek Online found one, like had a friend that was going to get rid of it. And he was like, oh, no, 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 no. And he sent it to me as like a late Christmas, but he didn't tell me and it came in the mail. And I was like, what? And I opened it and I lost my mind. So I, I have <laughs> Nick is the guy who made one. He did. And it was an adult-sized one. Yeah. And let me, he, he, he deigned to allow me to put it on my, my, my head for a few minutes so I could have a photo. So. Same, it was a magical moment. I, I got was. to do the same. And Nick, Nick is in the chat oh, at Nick the is moment. In the chat. Hi, Nick. He's enjoying this. So yeah, Nick, your skills are greatly appreciated. And wow. <laughs> so Dayton, in, in the collection of, uh, of Star Trek swag at Ward Manor, uh, is that like, is the empty place on the shelf for that? Or is there something else? No, there's, there are two spaces. There, okay. there are two spaces that are being held vacant right now. It's for the helmet and for the mission to Gamma 6 playset. Yes! <laughs> oh, we reach, we reach, so For brother. those of you who, for you, yes. those of you who insist that I'm difficult to buy for, there you go. There's your Christmas shopping list. Oh, man, I want one of those so bad. All right, I'll fight <laughs> you for it. Yeah. There you go. Uh, oh, and I love that, Carlos. Did you cry, Holly? Yes. There's a picture of me. I'm crying too. I 100% posted a photo of me crying on Twitter, wearing it. And it's in my Star Trek closet. So Amazing. All right. Well, Dayton, thank you so much. And again, folks, remember to find Dayton at DaytonWard.com. And uh, yeah, we'll do this again. We'll talk Trek stuff in the future with you. All right. right. Thanks for having me on. Always fun. It's been a pleasure. And Holly, thank you. And uh, I'll see you again next week. And then coming up in just a few weeks, we get to kick off uh, Discovery Season 4 together. So looking forward to that, too. Star Trek! Yes, until then. (laughs) 
Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live provided by the indelicate Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcast. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thanks to everyone who joined us live or later. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We look forward to talking with you next week. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.